Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Aaron Cotton, and I'm the family discipleship pastor here at um, The Grove. And it's a beautiful sight this morning uh, just to see uh, the variety of our young people um, leading us out. Man, man, I was just blessed by that. So thank you guys for taking the step um, of courage of leading through liturgy and through song. Uh, man, great and good, good stuff. And so, hey, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up uh, to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 6. We're going to be talking about what is known as, as the Shema. Uh, if you don't know uh, any Hebrew, uh, maybe you can pull that out of your pocket for your New Year's Eve party. The Shema is, is, is a hear, a hear, O, o Israel. Um, and so uh, I, I, before we get there, Moses has uh, been with his people. They've been wandering. Uh, and Moses has a last sermon um, called the book of Deuteronomy where he's going to be talking to his people to remind them, hey, God has been faithful. Uh, he's been consistent. He has been good. Continue to trust him. Continue to press in and continue uh, to lean into his presence and uh, his, his promise. And so Moses is speaking to all people. He's not just speaking to parents. He's speaking to young people. He's speaking to older people. He's speaking to uh, those who have been uh, uh, maybe alone. Like he's speaking to all types of people. And so uh, if you're a single in the house, there's a temptation this morning to think, hey, it's family worship Sunday. It's kind of cool. Like uh, we're going to be talking about parent stuff. And like this isn't going to apply to me. And so uh, singles, if you're single in the house, let me invite you uh, to, 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 to come around the words of Paul when he writes this. He says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So whether you're single this morning, whether you're divorced this morning, or you have an unbelieving spouse this morning, you're married but don't have any kids, uh, or you're a young adult, or you're youth, or you're in elementary, or in kindergarten, wherever you are at this morning, God is calling a global family to himself, all types of people, young, old, all in the mix. And so we, there, there's a word for us all this, this, this morning. We've called to support one another and we're called to serve one another. One of the things I love about uh, The Grove is that you see that we have a lot um, of young people, uh, a younger generation that's, that's coming up. And there's been some multiple times that people have come up to me and said, hey, Aaron, uh, I, I'm not really involved in any places, but I can hold some babies. Like, I, just put me in the nursery, I'll do some rocking, and I, I, can, I can hold some babies. And, and I, I love that that there's people in this church who, who are saying, hey, I'm here to support, I'm here to encourage, I'm here to love on the families. I mean, even my own personal story, uh, before I even became a parent, before uh, I even um, got married, was that God called me to student ministry. And God used student ministry to love on students, to be around parents, to get some wisdom, that, that now that, that, that I am a parent, that I have a wisdom and a weight about me according to God's grace that wouldn't have been there before if I would just checked out in my single days. Y'all with me? So all young people in the house, all single people in the house, like we're a household of faith. We're a church, a global family. And parents, just a quick word for you before we jump in. We're going to be talking about some ideals. We're going to be shooting for what's best. But let me encourage you that when, when guilt or shame enter in, that we wouldn't parent from that guilt and shame. Because those are two terrible factors to parent from. God didn't call us to parent from a place of fear, but, a, but from a place of faith. Faith in the gospel. And so uh, let's, let's just do this for a quick moment. Like if you're a parent in the house and you think, man, I am just nailing 
this parent thing. I'm just killing it. I'm doing awesome. My, my, my kids are, man, like they just got all things going right for them. Like if you think you're just like doing amazing in the house, would you raise your hand for me, parents? Any parents gonna raise their hands? So after the service, we're gonna pray for your humility, um, right after right here for, uh, for those that just raise their hand. No, like most of the majority of the hands are down, if not all of them should be down, because there's no, there's no perfect parent in the house. And so uh, there's no stones here. Uh, this is just an invitation for more of what God has for us as we disciple our kids. Y'all with me? Let's jump in. Deuteronomy chapter six. Moses writes this. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Jehovah, the Lord is one. When Moses uh, uh, puts down this word, the Lord, he, he is talking about God as a national uh, uh, figure for his, his people. This is, this is a statement that the Lord your God, the Lord is one. This is an exclusive claim because the people are, are they're about to go into the promised land. They're about to be amongst some unbelievers. And, and Moses is saying, as you go into this promised land, as you get around your unbelieving neighbors, as you get around the unbelieving nations, don't let them influence you. Don't let them take away your hearts and, after other gods, but believe in the Lord, the one that is exclusive, the all-sufficient Lord, the all-knowing Lord, the personal Lord. Hey, know this Lord as you go in to the promised land. So church, let me ask you a question. The question is this, is, is have you made the decision, parents, have you made the decision to pledge allegiance to King Jesus over your household? To say we're about Jesus, we're about his name. Joshua writes later in Joshua 24, hey, but as for me and my house, we know this verse, we're familiar with it. Hobby Lobby is full of, uh, of these, got framed up of, of some Joshua 24. We got it in our coffee mugs. Like, but is it for real? Like, is it for real, for real in your house? But as for me, the nations can have, the world can have what they believe. But as for me and my household who is underneath my roof, we will serve the Lord. Stakes in the ground, because once those stakes are in ground, it's hard to uproot those things that we are pledging allegiance for our family over our kids, that we're about King Jesus and him alone and making much of him. You know, Aaron, it's like December 30th. Like we got, like those who are pledging allegiance to King Jesus on a cold, wet, rainy day have made it to church. Like we're here, we're good. Like we, we got it, but we need to be reminded to, of those stakes that we put in the ground to, to, to pledge to King Jesus that he is our He's our king. That means students, that means kids, that we, we operate and we do things as a family that are different than the world and, our, and maybe our, even our, our neighbors. Josh McDowell said something really interesting and profound to me that I've just kind of clung on to. He says this, that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So if parents, as you enforce rules, as we talk about King, uh, pledging allegiance to King Jesus, as we talk about our household being about him, there's gonna be rules that you enforce, but don't enforce those rules without a relationship. That's why when, G, like, when, when, the, when the Lord goes on record in the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy, he's saying, hey y'all, remember Egypt? Like remember the Passover? Remember a God who delivers out of Egypt, out of chains, part of the Red Sea? And you're reading the Old Testament like, like Moses, bro, we get it, man. Like we, we got it. Like he, he, did, he did that, but we need to be constantly reminded that our God is relational as parents. There's a relationship and a connection there that we have with our kids to enforce these boundaries that we instill for King Jesus and for his, his glory. Richard Ross used to uh, talk about a heart connection. 
as if it was a, it was a pipeline. And he, I don't have a pipe this morning, but he would bring a pipe on stage and he, he, would, he would take that pipe and he would pull it up to uh, his heart to, to signify to parents that everything that you do Every, every word, every action, every attitude, every response, every look has, has a channeling effect toward the heart of your child. Like no pressure on that. Holy moly, Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. Like the, like the Spirit enables us. So like, church, what are, what are we passing down to our kids? What, 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 where are we finding our significance? Because here's the deal. Like if we're, if we're gonna be about parenting our kids and inviting them into a relationship with Jesus, we need to connect with him in order to pass on a faith and a love for, for Jesus. So our first point this morning, uh, kids, if, if you got your sheets in front of you, there's a, there's a clipboard on there. And our first point this morning as we talk about family discipleship is this, is to model to, to model. And when I, say, when I say model, I mean this, is that we disciple or parent from a place of genuine love for Jesus by demonstrating true surrender and repentance. Speaking of that, that, that pipeline and, and man, what, what weight that has been passed on. Parents, it's a humbling thing to humble yourself and admit that you're wrong. But when we talk about our weaknesses and we talk about surrender, we talk about repentance. We are speaking of a Jesus who is greater than us and that we all, we all need him. We talk about model Moses. Moses says, he says, you shall love the Lord your God. Verse five in your Bibles, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Don't miss this. Before the there are any commands before there are any to-dos. Moses says, hey, these commands ought to be on your heart, ought to love the Lord your God with everything that you got. All the energy that you have, all the might that you have, that God doesn't start with some do's and don'ts, but, but calls our affections to be stirred up for him. I mean, we, we are lovers and worshipers by, by nature. We, we, we do because we love. We're, we, are, we are lovers. Jesus said that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What we talk about, what we spend our money on, what we spend our talents on, the, the intellect that we, we are given, how we use those things, those talents and those treasures is a reflection of what's going on in our heart. And God's after our heart this morning. Parents, go after your kid's heart. Don't be simply about behavior modification, but go after their, their heart. Parents, if you only talk with your kids about grades, sports, looks, even religious activity, you are communicating to them where worth and significance are found. If those are the only things that we're gonna talk about, we gotta talk about these, but if those are the only things that we talk about, sports, activity, like they are going to perform in order to find that significance. Jeff Vanderstelt writes this. He says, many parents try to live vicariously through their kids, silently saying to them, be the athlete I wish I, I, would, have, I would have been or earn the grades I never could have earned or man, be as popular, the popularity that I wasn't able to attain. So many parents see their children as substitute for their childhood. But children can't handle this weight. They can't handle you living vicariously through them. It will crush them and it will disappoint you. 
There is only one perfect child, and that's Jesus. So parents, let me ask you a question. Is what are we passing down to our kids? Are we passing down a treasure where moth and rust destroy? Are we passing down a relationship with Jesus and being about his eternal kingdom that goes beyond this, this world? These commands, Moses writes, these commands shall be on your heart. If you got a pen, right, maybe right next to that, would you write Jeremiah 31, 31? Or Ezekiel 36, 26? Because God is saying, hey, there's a new covenant about to happen. The heart of stone is about to be taken away. And I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh that now beats and yearns for, for me. So if you're a kid in the house, when I was in elementary, uh, there was a movie uh, called The Lion King that came out. I love The Lion King. Uh, have y'all seen The Lion King? Yes, okay, just check in. We're, 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 we're still friends. Uh, that was like one of my gauges as like in elementary, like, hey, my name's Aaron. Do you like The Lion King? Nah, can't be friends, sorry. 15 years later, dating my wife. Hey, do you love Jesus, love God? Yes, yes, cool. Do you like The Lion King? Yeah. Okay, we're still in, we're good. Uh, we, we can do this. I love The Lion King, not that I have marked on my calendar already July 19th of 2019 because there's a new Lion King coming out where they're actually gonna be like real figures and people and I, I can't wait till that comes out. Like some of y'all thinking parents, are you, are you like, whoa, like easy on, on The Lion King. But I, I love The Lion King. Because, the, because of the biblical imagery that's in the Lion King. So kids, y'all remember? There's this guy named, his name is Scar. And, and, and he, when he rules on this pride rock, like literally pride rock reflects the heart of Scar. We have a picture of pride rock. Oh, yeah, there it is right there. Does that look familiar to you guys? There's, there's this, this, this coldness. There's, there's, there's this guy named Scar that's ruling and reigning. He has a scar on his face. There's these hyenas. Like Whoopi Goldberg still creeps me out, her voice, because of the, of the role she played in the hyenas. Like, still got me. But when Scar's on the, th in the absence of the father, when, when, the, when the presence of the father has been removed, we get a dark pride rock. We get a stony, cold, hard pride rock. And what happens in the story? Simba goes off. He's got to say Akuma Matata. He's got to get all that. Because he's got to prep that king. And that king comes back. Comes back to Pride Rock to wreck shop on Scar and those creepy hyenas. And when he sits on the throne, literally things have been restored. So we may see like a Disney movie, like, oh, that's cute and that's cool. But there's a, there's a biblical theme that's happening in Lion King. So parents, as, as you watch movies with your kids, as you see things on TV, invite them into the greater story. That, that, that Simba, like there's a greater king than Simba and his name is, is Jesus. And when Jesus is on the throne of your heart, you experience life. And you don't get to do life alone. You have life around you. You have people and you have the circle of life going on. You have this trajectory to make much of of this king. That's beautiful, y'all. That's Lion King right there. July 19, 2019, like mark it on your, on your calendar. That's good. Because when God comes into your life, he takes away that pride rock, that heart of stone, he gives you a heart of flesh where life is, is found. He gives you a new one. So parents, not only are we to model this out, this model this genuine love for Jesus and a, a genuine walk of repentance and faith, but also we're just spend minutes I went back to my southern roots a little bit. There's like all M's right here that we're about to just unpack. So we got model, and the next one is minutes, which I'll define as this, is that parents have intentional time throughout the week to read God's word and talk about living out the gospel. Moses says, parents, you shall diligently, you shall diligently teach these things to your kids. 
And that, that word diligently, if you've been in a partnership class, I'll talk about this just a little bit, but that word diligently literally resembles a picture of chiseling stone. That as, 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 as you teach the truth, as you walk with your kids through life, you are, you are literally like one nick at a time getting after their hearts in hopes that God would save them to create a beautiful masterpiece that gives him glory and is about his kingdom. That it's work. Like discipleship, family discipleship, it ain't, it ain't just a sprint or like going through the fast food drive through line. Like it, it's a marathon. Like it is, it, is a, it is a crawl. It is a moment by moment. So question parents is how can you spend 10 to 12 minutes? That's why we call it minutes. Because we're not talking about hours. We're not talking about open up your Wayne Grudem systematic theology and up, unpacking the Jonathan Edwards or the Tulip or like all these massive big theological concepts that will come. But what would it look like to spend 10 to 12 minutes, minutes talking about the truths of God? What would that look like? To prioritize and carve out time during the week to open up God's word. Would it be Sunday night? Would it be Maybe dinner time. I mean, a lot of y'all do it during dinner time, which I think is, is, is amazing. I, I love hearing about as y'all sit down and have a meal. There's a, speaking of Jeff Vanderstelt, he has a whole week that he lines out and has a theme for each night with his kids. And one of those that stood out to me was Thanksgiving Thursday. What would it look like to take Thursday for the gospel and go around the, the dinner table to talk about how thankful we are for all the things God has provided mainly in himself and the things that he has given like our family. Whatever you do, be consistent. Also, be clear. Make it available. When you sit down with your kids, I mean, get into their worlds. Isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, Jesus, in the incarnation, he, he, he humbled himself, got into worlds, learned a language. Learn the language of your kids, how they talk, what they like, and direct them to the gospel. Uh, pastor in, uh, in Dallas uh, at the Village Church, uh, with his family, he talks about how he has high lows, at dinner time, he'll go around the table and say, all right, y'all, tell me about your highs. What went well today? What, or what was some low points? And let's, let's just kind of bathe those things in, in prayer. Man, get creative. I was walking into Frost this morning and I saw all those boxes, those cardboard boxes that everybody's kind of dumped out there that we all, on recycling day, dumped out onto our streets. And like our trash people were so backed up, like they had to come back two rounds. What would it look like to take those cardboard boxes, make stacks, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11 and talk about the, the Tower of Babel and just kind of unpack and be creative about man, things that God has put in front of you to engage your kids. I mean, kids love forts. Don't we love forts? When I was a kid, we used to get chairs and get blankets and I mean, what would it look like to get a flashlight, get underneath, have that underneath that fort with that light and talk about Jesus as the light of the world? It just takes some time, parents. It just takes some time to think about it. It just takes some, some, some thinking ahead and get, to get creative. You can do this, y'all. You can do it. Like, you guys can get after it. We want to see y'all succeed. We want to see y'all just, man, rock that thing. So we provide resources for you. I mean, every Sunday evening, afternoon-ish, there's, there's an, an alert going to your phone. S simply saying, hey, click here. That's it, parents. You just click view. What did my child learn this morning in Sunday school? What did, what did they learn? Click view. Oh, there it is right there. This is what they learned. Like they've been talking about Moses. Like we want to set you up to succeed. So maybe a question is, what does this time look like? 
What's it actually look like to sit down with your kids? And so I had a challenge that I sent out to the church. And I said, hey, if you, it, 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 would you like record, pull out your phone about a time of when you sat down with your kids over Christmas? What did that look like? And so my friends, uh, Jacob and Christina, uh, sent this over. So would you tune to the screen behind me? I mean, Jacob just like opened up a book and like started reading. And, uh, and as he began to read, uh, he was telling me in the hall uh, last Sunday, uh, he mentioned that um, when Jude said, when he said, hey, he gives us love, he gives us joy, he never stops loving us, he loves us so much. I pulled Jacob in the hallway, I'm like, bro, like where did that come from? He's like, I don't know. Like parents, even though on, on, the, on the surface when it seems like the Lord ain't working, he is. So you have littles this morning, you have like those that are even having hit a year old, God's doing a work in their hearts He's doing a hearts in your kindergartner. He's doing a work in your, in your sixth grader. And when they get into, to be a teenager, like what is the Lord really doing? He's still at work. He's still at, he's still at work. He's still moving. He's still wooing to where they start saying stuff like, I don't know where that happened. Like there's been a heart connection. There's been a tapping into the Lord to pass on some truths. You can do this. You can do it. We get so intimidated like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know if I can jump into that. He opened up a book, started reading the scriptures and asked some questions and had a tree and just hung some stuff and said, let's, let's talk about the gospel truths. You can do this, church. Thirdly, is moments. So we talk about family discipleship. We model this out as parents as we spend intentional time and minutes. What it look like to capitalize the moments, to seize the unplanned moments and the, uh, and the rhythms of everyday life, to shepherd your child's heart towards Jesus. But we need to be looking, church. Parents, we need to be looking and having Eyes to see what's going on in our kids. I love uh, in the book of Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 20 verse five, the purpose in man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding, he will draw, he will draw it out. There's some deep waters in your kids. There's some things going on with them and it takes questions. It doesn't take just parenting them out of do's and don'ts, but it, calls for us to ask why. Because if we just talk about do's and don'ts, we'll produce Pharisees on the, on the outside or outwardly beautiful, but on the inwardly doing it for the wrong motive. Because as we ask why, it addresses the motive of what we're doing. And when we see those waters, we tap into those, we're listening to the spirit, as we tap into the network, we all have our phones. We all are, the one question every teenager will ask is, do we have Wi-Fi? And the answer is no, get over it. You're gonna be okay. You don't need Wi-Fi. But when you, because there's only so much you can do on your device. Maybe use the calculator. I mean, maybe use some notes. That's about all you can do without any internet. But once you connect to Wi-Fi, there's a whole world to access to. Because when we link into the spirit, we link into have the network of the spirit. We have a whole world parents that's been made available to you. And so as we see those moments, as moments come up as there's these spiritual hiccups or these spiritual burps that come out of, of your kids. Here's some tools, just some tools to think about. I got four S's and an L. Can y'all hang with four S's and an L? So as things come out, as, I mean, as we were reading and praying, as BC was talking about this unbelief, I'm like, bro, did you read my notes? Like, where's this? Oh, that's the spirit. Cool. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I'm, I'm with you. But there's unbelief that goes on in our hearts because we have an unbelief about God and it leaks into our behavior. Parents, we, we need to be people who have eyes and ears that go past the behavior and down into the root of the unbelief of what's going on in our kids' hearts. 
Because most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, there's some attribute of God that they're not believing or clinging on to. So the first attribute of God, just to kind of put in your pocket, when you see that unbelief coming out, is that God is supreme. God is supreme. He's about his glory. Therefore, I exist for his glory and not my own. That he is supreme. Like, hey, I know y'all are fighting. I know you got some conflict. Like, it ain't about you. Like, we exist for God's glory and to make much of him. Also, second S, he's sufficient. That he's enough. So when you got your kids complaining, you're going on vacation. I mean, the Moltons just went on like a whole road trip around uh, who knows where. I'm sure there was some, some time in the time when you're riding with your kids in your car and you're thinking, man, there's way too much complaining. What can I pull out of my pocket? Hey, God is sufficient. Hey, y'all, he's sufficient. Let's, let's just come around and let's pray about and embrace that God is sufficient. He is enough for us. Thirdly, he is set apart, that he's holy. We do things because God is, is holy and we want to obey him. Lastly, the L is that he's loving. When your child is struggling, they're going through uh, feelings of, of worry or they're feeling, or, or maybe uh, of not feeling value to remind them that God is, that he is love, that he comes after us. And those moments come up in the car as Moses writes right there, as you go about your ways, you sit in your house and you walk by the way and when you rise, would you talk about the things of, of the scriptures and of his, of his truth? I mean, now we're engaged in the heart rather than just the, the behavior. And lastly, is milestones. So right there on your, on your clipboard, kids, there's, that last M is milestones. Parents, what would it look like to make occasions to celebrate and remember significant milestones of God's work in the life of the family and your child. I mean, God has wired us to be people who, who remember. And if you don't believe me, next, the next party that you go to, as you get around social settings, people tell stories. As you're in that social setting, like listen to the stories that they tell. Like when I get around my high school buddies, like we start talking about the good old days, right? Start talking about the, the, the glory days, which weren't really glory days. So like they, because the glorious days when Jesus comes back, but we go, we kind of had this temptation to look back on our past and to kind of embellish it a little bit. I mean, I get around some of my high school friends and they start talking about plays that they made or things that they did. And like, I remember you forcing that fumble, but I don't remember you picking up that fumble and like going to score a touchdown. I don't remember that part. Like where, that story has been like a little exaggerated a little bit. Because we have the temptation, the further away we are from our past to look back and maybe lean into fantasy and things that just aren't true, somewhat true. That's why we have the book of Deuteronomy and we have God reminding his people over and over again of who he is. That's why we have Passover. So talk about milestones that we got instilled Passover so the people would remember he talked about in Joshua 4, where, when they're crossing over the Jordan, he says, hey, take stones and put it in to, to the river, each tribe to remember that God has been faithful and that he is, he is with us. Parents, how can we make special occasions with the gospel in hand for our kids to remember for a lifetime, to build moments and experiences that break the script, to make an impact that deepens their walk with Jesus? I mean, this is why we do baby dedications, that's so why we get our kids, uh, 
in some nice get, like nice get up and nice clothes. We we have y'all come up front and we have y'all say things almost like a like a vow to hey, I'm making a commitment. I want to remember this moment. I want to put stakes in the ground that I'm going to raise my kid to the best of my ability and to God's glory. Like we went through that as a family and I, I, I think about that when my kid's crying at two o'clock in the morning, when, he, when he's just screaming his head off and I, I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm getting angry. I feel it swelling up in me. I remember that moment of standing before you guys and saying, I, I'm gonna do the best that I can with God's spirit dwelling within me to raise my kid to the Lord. See how powerful milestones can be? As we, rem- as we remember, as we make commitments Church, what would it look like to capitalize on, on your, your kid coming into adolescence? What would it look like to invite them in to purity? Maybe instead of a graduation ring that you hand to your child once graduation day happens, what would it look like to maybe get a purity ring to walk them through what it looks like to live a pure life, not just physically, but like in all of life? Parents, what would it look like to be creative to, to write letters to your students to ha- so that they have them for, not just for that time of graduation, but that they can follow away in college? when they're feeling lonely, when they're feeling in despair, they can remember that God has been faithful. Surely he will always, he will always be faithful. Parents, what would it look like to have a rite of passage? What would it look like to call your young man and young woman to be a man after the Lord? A few years back, I got invited to be one of these, a, a part of one of these, a, a, what we call them, like coming up to be a man. It's just, it was man time. And a, and a dad invited, he, uh, they, they, had, they had some money, and so they, uh, they reserved the back room of Perry's. And so I'm like, I'm there. I'll be, I like some Perry's. I'll get my, my, my Perry's on. And uh, so we go to Perry's, and, there was, and, and the student didn't know, and we all gathered around this student to speak words of life and to really unpack a definition of what it means to be a man, which is to accept responsibility. It's to, to reject passivity. It's to lead courageously, and it's to look to the greater reward. That's what it means to be a man. That we, what would it look like to, to train your, your child into accepting responsibility, to rejecting passivity, and to look to God's greater reward? What would it look like to cast this vision? You see the depth? You see the weight that much more than gra- when graduation comes, when they walk across that stage. I mean, parents, we are seeing in our day, we're seeing a shift in, our ad- in this adolescent period. Like we're seeing it being prolonged. This is why we have 30-year-olds still living with mom and dad. I understand we got tragedy. I understand there's loss that happens. I understand these things, these things play a role. But this adolescent period has been extended to where we have young people not growing up, but actually retreating and wishing they were still a teenager. It's like the Peter Pan syndrome. And someday you, you grow up. You become a man, you become a woman. And if I were to ask you, when did that happen for you? What would you say? How could you as parents have one day where you said, all right, Johnny, today's the day you become a man, all right? Well, for me, like when that day come, I guess like when I got, like I entered into like a mortgage to like when I like owned my home, I'm like, all right, I'm a man now, I guess. Or when I got married, I, I guess I was like, I guess I became a man then. Or like when we bought my wife's car, I'm like, okay, manhood, it's here. All right, I got it. So like, what would it look like? Because that's not manhood, right? I mean, ultimately, man, manhood is taking and looking at our 15 and 16 and 17 and 18-year-old boys and saying, hey, what would it look like to own some responsibility? What would it look like to reject passivity? What would it look like to look to the greater reward and be about the kingdom? 
Because what happens as parents is that we have shifted to finding our identity and value and purpose in our kids. And rather than allowing our kids to go through pain, we, we take it away and we relieve them rather than allowing them to go through the consequences of their own choices. So what we have is we're producing a generation who still wishes that they're in their, in their high school years. They're still in this prolonged immaturity. And I don't know if that's a shot really towards the kids, but really as parents to say, what did I do? What milestones did I mark along the way to invite them in to maturity? So all this, it can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. But here's, here's the good news, church, is that, hey, you're not alone in this. You're not alone. The Lord is with us. He's gonna lead you along the way. He's got your kids. And what may be happening now in this moment, there may be some guilt coming out of me, like, man, I wish I would've. I wish I would've, or I, I wish I could've, or done something differently, or, and again, like, we, we can't parent from that place of guilt and shame. But we just come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, forgive me. Hey, forgive me, you, you've got my kids. I am making today the day. December 30th of 2018, I am taking the parent challenge to own modeling. I'm taking the parent challenge to own minutes. I'm taking the parent challenge to capitalize the moments. I am owning today to own some milestones that I can have with my child. And we got you, church. Like there's a whole resource table back there for you. And there's some books on the table that we like intentionally discount. And there's some, some papers out there in front of you that, that have some books down according to where your child is. So if your child's age range of like zero to two, list of books right there. If your child is around, I don't know, 13 to 14, list of books right there. Like we wanna do everything that we can to meet you where you are in your parenting and in your raising. We're here for you. Hey, we love you. And hey, you got this. The spirit of God resides in you. You got this. Let me pray and we'll be done. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the Shema because we know that you used to say that he who has ears, let him hear. So God, we don't just wanna be merely hearers of the word, but we wanna be doers of the word not out of religion, not out of shame, not out of performing for you, but God, we wanna parent, we wanna shepherd all from a place of, because we've been already approved by you. So if we experience shame or guilt this morning, God, we want to lay that before you. We want to repent and come clean. We will mess it up. We will let down our families, but Jesus, this is why you came. You came to be the center and the glue that holds us together. Your cross is enough. Because Jesus, you're alive and well, there's forgiveness. There's restoration. God, and there's, there's maturity. And so God, we can only lead from a place of where we've been. And so God, I pray that you would use December 30th of 2018 to just spark, a, just spark something that ignites a flame into parents' hearts to own the discipleship of their kids. We can't force them, we can't make them, but God, we can invite them constantly. As we're around tables, we go to ball games, as we go to church, as we do all the things that our families do. God, would we invite you to be at the center of it all? God, we love you. And we know that you're good. 
Would we parent? Would we lead? And would we love out of tasting and seeing that the Lord is, is so good? To your name I pray. Amen.